This is Wonder Time. I'm Emmy. And I'm Audrey. This is a unique series that takes a perspective of investigating the world around us through the eyes of nature. We'll discover themes, tell fun stories, weave together facts, and pose ongoing questions to spark curiosity and wonder. Our first series is Life Through the Spectrum. Using science, art, examples in nature, and themes throughout human history, we will discover the amazing phenomena of the seven colors of the rainbow. Violet is the final color of the rainbow, with so much mystery about what happens beyond it. Although a seemingly rare color, it is one of the oldest colors used by mankind. A majestic and fancy hue, it was donned by royals and sparked Impressionism. Bold, vivacious, and sometimes controversial. A note before we officially kick off this episode. The term purple is often broadly used to refer to all types of red and blue color combinations, while violet is a specific color in the spectrum. We'll use the term purple in this episode alongside violet where it fits. Later on, we'll explain how the color purple doesn't really exist. So in nature, we see many violet colored flowers. In fact, the viola plant, which has all sorts of different colored flowers, but often they are violet, contains between 500 and 600 different species. One of the most common is the pansy, as well as the gorgeous columbine flower. Colorado state flower. Most of these are found in the northern hemisphere, but they can also be found in such diverse locations as Australia, Hawaii, and the Andes. Similarly, the lavender plant is known for its soft purple color. We learned that it also has many varieties, over 47 species and it's actually in the mint family. Fascinating. It's used for many medicinal purposes. It's especially great for relaxation and sleep. There are a handful of violet foods such as red cabbage, figs, pomegranate, red onion, and beets, purple potatoes, and purple cauliflower. These foods are rich in anthocyanins, which are natural pigments that give them their unique violet coloring. Yes, and studies have shown that eating these foods can benefit brain health, lower inflammation, and guard against cancer and heart disease pretty amazing. And since we don't live in a cartoon world, there aren't many really purple animals in the wild, but there are two very cool violet-colored birds. (laughs) Yes. One is called the violet-backed starling, also known as the plum-colored starling or amethyst starling, which is found widely in sub-Saharan Africa. They are strongly sexually dimorphic, so only the males get to don this electric purple hue. Sadly, the females are a dull brown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, starlings are really amazing birds. They have the ability to mimic all kinds of sounds. Car alarms, for example. Wow. Then there's also a bird called the violet-crowned wood nymph. They're medium-sized hummingbirds with this adorable purple cap on their heads. They reside in Latin countries like Guatemala, Belize, Colombia, and Venezuela. There's a tropical fish called the royal grandma. Oh, like Queen Elizabeth. (laughs) (laughs) Also known as the fairy basslet, it has a light purple to deep violet color from its head to the middle of its body, which then feeds into yellow. It happens to be a very peaceful fish that gets along well with almost all other fish. In the movie Finding Nebo, Gurgle was a royal grandma fish. That's right. Purple insects are not a super common sight either. There are a couple of butterflies with some violet coloring on their wings. One is the red spotted purple admiral found in North America. Another is called the Purple Emperor. It's brown on one side,
side and a gorgeous violet color on the other. There are also purple dragonflies, which are quite rare but absolutely stunning, and purple scarab beetles that are an electric metallic violet color. Super groovy. Wow, yeah. And then on to gemstones. Of course, the most well-known and striking is amethyst. Its color is derived from iron and other trace elements. At one time, amethysts were as rare and expensive as diamonds, until large quantities of them were found in Brazil. And now they're pretty common and usually they won't break the bank. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, there are also purple colored diamonds. They're extremely rare, found only in a handful of places around the world including Russia, Australia, and Canada. And therefore, they're a lot more expensive. The purple coloring occurs when a lot of hydrogen is present during the formation process. Ooh. Another really neat stone is called purple chalcedony. It's a quartz stone that can appear opaque as well as translucent with streaks of brilliant purple. There are also purple sapphires and purple jade stones. While violet is not a super common color in nature, it happens to be one of the oldest tints used by mankind. They have found traces of dark violet in a cave in Peck Mural, France, dating back 25,000 years. The ancient people would take the minerals manganese and hematite and mix them with water or animal fat to paint on the walls. Sticks of manganese have been found at various prehistoric sites, likely used instead of charcoal. It appears that it was also used to decorate their bodies and other objects. In fact, the Aranda people, a group of indigenous Australians, still use manganese as a pigment to color skin during native rituals. Terry and purple is a famous reddish purple natural dye. It's also known as Phoenician purple, royal purple, imperial purple, or imperial dye. Right, and it was named after a place in Lebanon called Tare, where the dye originated. Around 1200 BC, the people of Tare began producing a violet-colored dye by crushing the shells of small sea snails. The glands in the snails produced this violet color. It was so popular, it was even mentioned in Homer's Iliad and Virgil's Aeneid. Such famous folks as the kings of Egypt and Alexander the Great were known to wear clothing dyed with terry and purple. To create just one gram of this dye, they needed to crush more than 9,000 mollusks. That's a whole lot of sea snails. Yes, it is. Throughout history and around the world, violet has been a rare and expensive dye to create. In the 18th century, aristocrats and royals donned violet clothing to showcase their wealth. In Japan during the Heian period, starting around 800 AD, they began creating a violet dye from the root of an alkanet plant, known as Mirasaki in Japanese. It became very popular for clothing as well as painting. I have to say that violet has a lot of difficult colored words associated with it. <laughs> it does. We're having a little bit of a tough time over here. During the Renaissance, painters famously used violet to color the robes worn by the Virgin Mary. They created these shades of violet by mixing various blues and reds, sometimes with ultramarine blue and fine laca, or a less expensive version was made with indigo dye and red hematite. One could argue that in 1874, the violet hue kickstarted modern painting with the Impressionist movement in Paris. Painters such as Cezanne, Monet, Renoir, Boudin, and many others started using this color so frequently it was considered scandalous. <laughs> they painted violet along with many other shades of purple to depict the natural world in new ways. They achieved this violet color by glazing cobalt blue with matter red. Critics at the time thought that the painter's retina were diseased. 
or that they had gone mad, <laughs> even that they may be able to see ultraviolet rays. Prior to this, painting was quite formal and straightforward. The painters of this time wanted to explore the feelings, the intangible essences that come from nature. Monet was quoted once as saying, I want to paint the air in which the bridge, the house, and the boat are to be found, the beauty of the air around them, and that is nothing less than the impossible. To me, the motif is insignificant. What I want to reproduce is what lies between the motif and me. That sends shivers up my spine. Yeah. When Newton was naming the colors of the spectrum, he supposedly chose the word violet because it was not a mixture of anything. This could also explain how these painters were so frequently drawn to violet. It seemed to hold some magical essence, a sense of being lit from within. Vincent van Gogh was famous for using violet in many paintings from the 1880s, including his starry night painting with the famous purple swirls alongside its complementary color, yellow. The word violet comes from the Middle English, Old French, and Latin referring to the viola plant we mentioned earlier. Interestingly, if you add the letter N to the word, it becomes violent. Could there be something about the color violet that has an erratic nature? Another interesting ponder, if you scramble the letters of the word violet, it spells to live. Yeah, right. You know, in religion, violet shows up in the Roman Catholic Church and many other Western churches as a color worn during the Advent and Lent. It's worn by the clergy to signify both the celebration of Jesus's resurrection as well as a mourning of his crucifixion. The Purple Heart is one of the highest honors for bravery in the United States military service. Originally called the Badge of Military Merit, George Washington created it in 1782 to commend his soldiers. The color represents courage and bravery. Since violet is the last color in the rainbow, it has the shortest light waves that the eye can perceive. Violet wavelengths are approximately 380 to 450 nanometers. Because of these short wavelengths, it's difficult for the eye to perceive a true violet frequency. Yeah, so when we see the color purple, the eye is actually using the red rods and the blue rods in combination. The brain takes this information and comes up with an image that fits. Since purple doesn't have one specific frequency, one could argue that the color doesn't truly exist. So to finish up this episode, we thought it would be fitting to dip our toes into the water of what lies beyond the visible spectrum. It's super fascinating, and we would need a whole other episode to truly investigate it all, but here are a few tidbits that we want to share. Directly beyond violet is the ultraviolet frequency. It was discovered in 1801 by a scientist named Johann Wilhelm Ritter, who noticed that the invisible light beyond the spectrum darkens silver chloride. Nowadays, ultraviolet radiation is widely used in industrial processes and in medical and dental practices for a variety of purposes, such as killing bacteria, creating fluorescent effects, curing inks and resins, phototherapy, and sun tanning. Yes, and the sun itself is a natural source of ultraviolet light that is harmful to the skin. Luckily, the ozone layer blocks most of this radiation. Otherwise, we would all be burned to a crisp. Yeah, thank God for the atmosphere. <laughs> of course, there is also invisible light on the opposite side of the spectrum, Remember the infrared light that we mentioned in our first episode? I do. We're clearly not scientists, and we don't claim to be, but we love to investigate the world around us. Hopefully this series has opened your eyes, pun intended, to everyday life in new and excited ways. Stay tuned for our next series. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.